This episode of the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast is sponsored by LL Flooring. These are the floors homes are built on. Visit the experts at your local store or go to llflooring.com forward slash pro to learn more. Home improvements, home renovations, home maintenance, home repairs, and all the other challenges of home ownership. Welcome to the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Doug and today I want to talk about a few things that make me angry. So way back at the beginning of the year, before the COVID thing hit, I came across an article on the stuff.co.nz website. The title of the article was First Homeowner Nails DIY by Watching How-To Videos. And it featured some pretty glossy pictures of some home renovations. Okay, first of all, I know what you're thinking, so let's get that out of the way first. Yes, the headline is a major red flag. After all, how much can you truly learn from videos, especially something as hands-on as home improvements? For example, you can watch videos about finishing drywall all day long, but until you put a drywall knife in your hand and start working with the spackle or mud or compound or whatever you want to call it, until you actually do the thing, you're not going to get a feel for the technique. And at first, your work likely won't be up to snuff. Finesse isn't necessarily something that can be taught in a video. And more important, if you're doing something that is technique heavy, you may develop some bad habits without someone looking over your shoulder and offering you direct feedback. But let's put that aside for now. YouTube, which is where this homeowner watched her how-to videos, is full of good information and bad information. The bad, in all likelihood, outweighs the good. That's not to say that the people who put out the videos are not well-intentioned. They're just... Well... The bottom line is that you need to have enough knowledge or common sense to recognize which sources to trust. And it's always good to refer to multiple sources. And it pays to read the comments. I'll give you an example. Jay Bates is a woodworker who I respect. He is probably most famous for his miter saw station that has inspired many others to build their own version. And you can find many of them on YouTube. Well, a couple years ago, he moved into a bigger shop. And he produced a few videos about that build, the shop build. Um, And one of those videos was about insulating the ceiling. There was a problem, though. He installed the insulation the wrong way. He used faced bats, and the bats need to be installed with the facing towards the conditioned space. He installed the bats upside down, which could lead to problems down the road. Now, the issue is that somebody could watch that video, see how he installed his insulation, and copy it in their own space. And worse, that person could put up a video of their own incorrect installation. And so on and so on. And this is how bad information gets propagated on the internet. Now, in the comments, someone did point out Jay's mistake. So somebody reading the comments would learn 
that the information in the video could be wrong. Or at least they would question it enough that they would do a little more research. And chances are, well, chances are they might come across that other DIY video, but they would also come across other videos, perhaps from the manufacturer or by insulation contractors or other recognized home improvement experts that would show them the right way to install the insulation. Now, I think Jay has taken that video down since then. I looked for it. I did a quick search for it, but I couldn't find it. And it did serve another purpose. It showed how much of a pain in the butt installing insulation could be. And I'm sure there was other stuff in that video as well that could be valuable takeaways. But it did have that one glaring mistake. Seeking out information online is definitely buyer beware. You have to do your due diligence and question everything. And by gum, if there is something that you want to know how to do, you can probably find multiple resources online. Case in point, at the end of the summer, the HVAC blower motor in our minivan died. I would turn on the AC and nothing would come out of the vents. Nothing. The fan wasn't working. Now that can be uncomfortable when it's hot. I can live with uncomfortable. But it's downright dangerous in the winter when you need the defroster. So this was something that I knew would have to be fixed. I looked online to see how much I could expect to pay for this repair, and then I checked YouTube to see if this was something that I might be able to do myself. And sure enough... There were at least a couple of videos for changing the blower motor in my particular model of minivan. Now, mind you, it's not a complex repair. Undo some screws, unplug the wiring harness, remove the old blower, and reverse the process to install the new one. But you have to know where to find it to begin with. From the two videos that I watched, I learned exactly where the motor was and what it looked like and where those screws were located and what size tool I needed to remove those screws. One guy also cut up his hand pretty good, so I also learned to watch for sharp edges. Watching those videos gave me the confidence that I could easily do this repair myself, so I ordered the part, and I installed it a couple days later. Now, what those videos didn't show me was how much of a contortionist that I had to be in order to get this darn thing under and behind the glove box. So I had to sort of jam myself in between the seat and the dashboard on the floor, looking up. Yeah, that was fun. And while both those videos made this look like a 15-minute job, it took me more than an hour because of how awkward it was. Plus, I also had to take a break in there too, just to, you know, snap my vertebrae back into alignment. But when all was said and done, I successfully made the repair. And I guess you could say that my repair blows. Anyway, I saved money on labor. I didn't have the hassle of taking the van to the repair shop. I took care of it myself in my driveway, and I wouldn't have known how to do any of it at all if it wasn't for those videos on YouTube. So getting back to this do-it-yourselfer in New Zealand, 
she named some of her sources in the article, and they seem to be well-known and reputable. Sort of in the same vein as this old house here in North America, as opposed to, I don't know, Thumb and Hammer. And like I said before, the article featured some nice, shiny pictures of her renovation. And to my untrained eye, there was nothing wrong with them. As good as anything that you'd see on HGTV or in any magazine, as far as I could tell. Scrolling down and reading the comments, almost all were positive. You go, girl. Inspiring. Nice work. And so forth. I said almost all were positive. There was one comment that stood out, and it has since been deleted, so hopefully I am remembering it correctly. But it was along the lines of, I am a contractor, and I get paid to fix up bad DIY like this. People have no business doing this sort of stuff themselves. It may or may not have been worded a little nastier than that. There are two things to be noted here. One, if I am remembering this correctly, he was a contractor. And two, he is a guy. The contractor thing I get. I get that contractors don't like do-it-yourselfers because it affects their livelihood. If everyone did everything themselves, we wouldn't need contractors. And I also get that it makes the contractor's job more difficult if they have to fix someone else's bad DIY. I mean, I was in that position myself, fixing someone else's bad DIY. Their job would be easier if they'd just been hired in the first place. The fact that this was a member of the male species making this comment, well, maybe that has something to do with it being a male-dominated industry. And maybe he wasn't being misogynistic. Maybe. But it is interesting that negative comments like this, like this, the, the, you can't do it as well as I can type of comment are typically made by men, whether they're directed at women or other men. And it reminded me of something from a few years ago. When I first started this podcast, I talked to Vicki Ann from mycrappyhouse.com and Sarah from UglyDucklingHouse.com. And they were both awesome and inspiring and all that. I might be a little biased because I have a daughter, but I believe that girls can do whatever boys can do. There's no reason why women can't go into the trades. So I truly enjoy talking to these two women who are confident do-it-yourselfers who aren't afraid of picking up a hammer and getting dirt under their fingernails, so to speak. And I wanted to convey that basic message that women can do anything men can do. Insert uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor grunt here. So I did these interviews and I got some email feedback. This gentleman started with some positive comments about my podcast. Very nice. I appreciate that. And he identified himself as a high-end contractor. Cool. I am flattered that a contractor would listen to what I have to say. But then came the criticism. He referred to Vicky Ann and Sarah as militant. 
He said that their assertion that they could do whatever he does was absurd. That he saw examples of their work and, quote, they would never get paid. That he would like to see Vicky try to make it in his market where skill and competence and experience are a must. And then he gave me some advice to caution my DIY listeners that yes, you can do it, just not in my world if you're planning to make a living at it. That wasn't a bit nice. You know what? That makes me mad. It angries up the blood. Where to start? Where to start? I did write him back and I defended my guests. The fact is, from what I've seen of their work, they could both work on my house. I wouldn't have a problem with that, but let's unpack this, shall we? This gentleman refers to himself as a high-end contractor with 40 years of experience, and he did in fact send some pictures of his work in a subsequent email, and he is indeed a high-end contractor. And therefore, he has priced himself out of our market. For those of us firmly planted in the working class to middle class, a high-end contractor is simply out of our price range. And a high-end renovation might simply be a case of over-improving based on where we tend to live. A $100,000 kitchen doesn't necessarily make sense in a $200,000 house. Our price range might be closer to $30,000, maybe topping out around fifty. And this is a contractor who specializes in upscale renovations. So is he going to take on a $30,000 renovation in a working class neighborhood? He said that he would like to see Vicky make it in his market. But dude, no one is trying to make it in your market. Something else that he said, if you hire your contractors from the Home Depot parking lot, you're going to get a third-rate contractor who is probably incompetent. Offensive much? (laughs) Is there just maybe a touch of snobbery in this? I don't know. But he does have a point. But that's the price range that we are talking about. We are talking about the handyman-type contractors. And it is unfair to imply that they are all incompetent. There are incompetent contractors in all price ranges. Granted, not many will remain in business for 40 years, but there are plenty who will simply dissolve one business and start another one to evade the dissatisfied clients that they leave in their wake. Even reputable contractors can screw up a job. And how can we be sure that a high-end contractor is going to treat a lower-end job with the same amount of care that he would a higher-end job? A lot less to lose, right? Maybe I'm being unfair, but this guy certainly set the tone. The point is, when we, and by we I'm talking about do-it-yourselfers like Vicky and Sarah and John from azdiyguy.com, and myself, not that I'm implying that I'm even at their level, but when we compare ourselves to quote-unquote contractors, we are comparing ourselves to the contractors that we would most be able to afford to hire. And those would likely be the handyman-type contractors. I don't think high-end contractors even enter into the equation. 
And notice that I say most likely be able to afford, because in most cases, we simply can't afford to hire anyone at all. Let me give you an example. Let's take drywall. First of all, if it's a small job, it might be difficult to find someone willing to do it for any price. But using drywall as an example, I can hang drywall and I can finish drywall. So I can save some money by doing it myself. And when it comes to money for some of us, every bit counts. Now, I am by no means a professional. A professional watching me would consider me incompetent. There is no way that I could make a living at doing drywall. I'm too slow. I tend to over-sand, which means I end up doing four coats of mud instead of three. And the time it takes me to do one wall, a pro could do the entire room. But when you look at the finished product, my work stacks up pretty good. I may not be perfect. My work may have more flaws if you look closely, but to the untrained eye, you would be hard-pressed to tell the difference. I have hired contractors who have had years of experience doing drywall, and I have had to go back and fix up their work. Or at least their work isn't much better than what I could have done myself. And to be fair, there are handyman-type contractors out there who do care who do have amazing workmanship, so I am by no means painting everyone with the same brush. It's complicated. There are valid reasons on both sides of the argument of whether to hire a contractor or do it yourself, so let's just leave it at that. But there is something else about this gentleman's email that is particularly offensive. I mean, besides referring to Vicky Ann and Sarah as militant, because that's kind of a loaded word. And that is the fact that his entire email is criticizing them and not me. Because here's the deal. I agreed with them. I am no different than they are. I am an amateur do-it-yourselfer. My website has plenty of pictures of my work. Some of it is done incorrectly. Some of it, the flaws are obvious. Obvious because I point them out. I admit my mistakes. But my mistakes are there nonetheless. My basement renovation from my first house is a decent renovation for that house, but a high-end renovation, it is not. My $8,000 renovation is never going to stack up to a $40,000 renovation. It just isn't. But he said nothing about me or my work. He only criticized The ladies. Curious, ain't it? When he says that they can't make a living in his world, what he's really talking about is... This is a man's world! And with that, let's pause for this brief sponsor break. LL Flooring is one of America's largest specialty retailers of hard surface flooring. They understand that your floor is the foundation of your home style. That's why they offer over 400 floors, all at the best value, including Bella Wood hardwood floors, which are backed by a transferable 100-year warranty. Visit one of their over 400 stores to find the right hardwood, 
waterproof vinyl, laminate, bamboo, or tile flooring for your style. Their flooring experts will guide you every step of the way, from finding the perfect floor for your project to arranging safe, professional installation. Allow Flooring has a variety of digital tools to help you transform your home. Use their Floor Finder tool to discover the best options for your project, and then use Picture It, their online visualizer to see your new floor in your space before you install. For store locations, style advice, and more, visit llflooring.com forward slash pro. Again, that's llflooring.com forward slash pro. These are the floors homes are built on. LL Flooring. I want to be clear. Not all contractors are misogynists. And I am not singling out contractors specifically either. I just found it interesting that generally speaking, women tend to be more positive in their comments while men tend to be more critical. And this seems especially true when the do-it-yourselfer is a woman. But men also direct negative comments towards other men as well. I think it's just the way we're wired. It's puffing out our chest if we feel threatened. I have yet to see an example of that negativity coming from a woman. At least in the DIY realm, you just don't see much negativity coming from women in general. Again, it's not my intention to beat up on contractors, but while we're sort of on the subject, there are contractors that have that attitude that I've already described. I know what I'm doing, and no one else can do what I do better than me. And yeah, tearing down the work of a do-it-yourselfer online is a prime example of that attitude. But you know what? When I hire a contractor, I want to hire someone who knows what they're doing and that can do what they do better than anyone else. But I also want to hire someone who isn't threatened by a client who might know a lot, even if they don't have the same amount of experience. For years, we have seen shows like This Old House and others, and people like Mike Holmes, whose purpose it is, is to try to educate homeowners. Yet, when you mention to a contractor that you saw something on TV, many of them will simply dismiss it. I'll give an example. You have probably seen DITRA featured on home improvement shows. It's a membrane that gets installed between the floor and tile. It's a decoupling membrane that allows for some movement of the floor without cracking the tile or grout. I'm not sure if I explained that very well, but anyway, when we were having the floor tile installed in our money pit house, I asked the contractor if they would be using DITRA, and they kind of scoffed at it, explained that they would be using cement board, and that the floor would be nice and solid, and DITRA would just be an unnecessary expense that you're kind of foolish for jumping on anything that you see on TV, that they've always done it this way, and it's always worked out just fine. I should have put my foot down at that point and insisted that they install the membrane, but I didn't. I trusted what they said. And part of me, frankly, doubted that they would install the DITRA properly if they didn't have experience working with it. But guess what happened? The grout cracked. 
I should have had more confidence to insist on having the tiles installed the way I wanted them installed. But the contractors should have also realized that as homeowners with access to more information than ever, that maybe we know more than they give us credit for. To be fair, I was truly overwhelmed by the Money Pit House, and there were structural repairs that I had no idea how to tackle. But framing, drywall, flooring, these are all things within my knowledge and abilities. I wasn't hiring someone to do these things because I wasn't able to, or didn't know how, or couldn't learn. I was hiring people to do these things because I didn't want to, or didn't have the time, or didn't want to deal with the learning curve. When we moved to our current house, we hired an electrician to install a new breaker panel and to wire the garage. Now, wiring the garage is within my abilities. I know my way around basic household wiring, and putting in a sub-panel with some plugs was definitely something that I could do. But, since we were having our main breaker panel replaced, I figured it would be a good idea to have the electrician do the garage as well. Two reasons. It saved me time and effort of doing it myself, and it would simplify the permit and inspection process. Garage, professionally wired by a licensed electrician, sounds better than garage wired by homeowner. Now, since I wanted to use the garage as a woodworking shop, I wanted there to be plenty of lighting. And I wanted some 20 amp circuits for my tools. There was already a circuit in the garage that had an overhead light and a plug for the garage door opener and another plug. The electrician said that he would pull off that circuit for the additional lights. I asked if it would be better to run a new circuit. I sort of wanted the garage to be mostly self-contained since we didn't know what else might be on that existing circuit. But he insisted that his way was going to be easier and therefore less expensive for me. Okay, fine. He's the expert, right? Except as the homeowner, I also had a pretty clear idea of what I wanted. But I defer to the expert. Well, I should have trusted my instincts. And he should have too. The existing garage circuit is part of a circuit with outdoor plugs. And it is powered by a GFCI breaker. What does that mean? Well, a GFCI outlet will trip off if it detects a fault. So you'll have this kind of outlet around a sink or outdoors where there may be the possibility of exposure to water that could be a shock hazard. It'll trip off instead of you getting zorched. A GFCI outlet will also add that protection to other outlets that come after it in the circuit. A GFCI breaker provides that protection for the entire circuit from the electrical panel. So, what's the problem? Well, typically it's not a good idea to have lights on a GFCI-protected circuit or after a GFCI outlet because if it trips, the lights will go out too. So, potentially, I could be cutting wood at the table saw and if something causes the breaker to trip, 
Suddenly I'm in the dark. But the table saw will still be running. <laughs> yeah, not dangerous at all. If the lights were on their own circuit, there wouldn't be that same risk. And this was wired by a master electrician. Now, I didn't even know about the GFCI situation. I just thought it would be a good idea to have the garage lighting on its own dedicated circuit. And I should have trusted my instinct and insisted that the electrician respect it. Is my anger directed at the contractor? Yes, sure. But it's also directed at myself. As homeowners, it is up to us to educate ourselves. And it is also up to us to stand strong for what we want when we hire a contractor. As I said, there are more resources than ever. As homeowners, we need to determine the best resources and weed out the bad ones. And contractors need to realize that we homeowners are more educated than ever. And we deserve respect. But I'm not just directing my anger at contractors. There are reputable sources, experts, that also sometimes get it wrong. Take Mike Holmes. Mike Holmes hates metal framing in basements. In his early series, if he came across metal framing, he would tear it out without hesitation. He was definitely biased. But his bias ignores the fact that while metal can rust in a damp environment, wood can rot and grow mold. His bias ignores the fact that metal doesn't warp or twist while wood does. So if you want perfectly straight walls, it is easier to get them with metal than wood. And his bias also ignores the fact that metal framing is better for soundproofing than wood is. I think it's probably safe to say that if you hired Mike Holmes to finish your basement and you wanted metal framing, he would talk you into wood framing instead. Take Tom Kreitler of the Money Pit Radio Show. Whenever he talks about adding screws to a subfloor in order to eliminate squeaks, he always recommends drywall screws. Why drywall screws? Why not deck screws or, I don't know, flooring screws? Why would he recommend a screw that is not designed for foot traffic, that is known to be brittle, that can break easily? Drywall screws do a very good job of holding up drywall. But that's all they're designed to do. I mean, you're already sending someone to the hardware store for one type of screw. Why wouldn't you send them for the correct type? <sighs> it angries up the blood. So check your sources and figure out what sources you can trust. And realize that nobody, nobody knows everything. You can learn from trusted sources and you have to trust what you learn and have confidence in your knowledge. And contractors have to understand that homeowners are more educated than ever about home improvements. 
And with that, I would like to thank you for joining me for this episode of the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. The website is thumbandhammer.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Thumb and Hammer. Sound clips were recorded from various sources on YouTube. I am claiming public domain. Intro music licensed by Jewel Beat, voiceover by Rick Santos. I will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Until then, cheers.